engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number, if you want to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Senator Johnny Isaacson will be stepping down from the United States Senate. Uh, Johnny Isaacson has been in the United States Senate since when um he uh 2000 no 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 um 2005 yes uh he replaced zell miller in 2005 uh, johnny isaacson is now the chair of the senate veterans affairs committee and the chair of the senate ethics committee he was a member of the United States House of Representatives from 1999 to 2005. When he went into the Senate, he uh, replaced Newt Gingrich in the U.S. House of Representatives. He was a member of the state Senate from 1993 to 1997. Uh, he also was the chair of the state uh, Board of Education. Uh, Zell Miller put him there after he lost a Senate primary to uh, Guy Milner. Guy Milner ran against Max Cleland and lost. That was in 1996. Uh, yeah, listen, Johnny Isaacson is very much more a moderate than me, very much more moderate than me. Um, and I, I just adore the guy. Uh, Johnny Isaacson is exactly who he said he was. He has never lied that I know of. He has been very straightforward with conservatives that he wasn't necessarily aligned with them on every issue, but he reliably voted on um, on tax cuts and on judges and you name it. Uh, Johnny Isaacson was definitely of the center-right coalition and many things in Washington that conservatives cheer from Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch on the United States Supreme Court to President Trump's tax cuts could not have happened but for Johnny Isaacson. Uh, so for a lot of conservatives who give Johnny Isaacson a hard time on immigration and other issues, um, none of their agenda would have passed but for a guy like Johnny Isaacson. He is a profoundly decent human being, a very nice guy. It is sad to see the effects of Parkinson's on him. We wanted to have him at the resurgent gathering this year, and he very much wanted to come, but couldn't because of a family obligation. And the family obligation as well was scuttled uh, because of a fall he had, and he was hospitalized. Uh, I, I, I just like Johnny Isaacson. And he, I see him every once in a while when I'm going to Washington. We'll pass each other. Uh, I, I'd like to go to Washington when Congress is not there. And so frequently I'll go up and leave and come home before as he's headed up there to get to Washington and our paths cross in the airport. And uh, it's just always good to see him. He's a nice guy. Now, what do we know about uh, what the lay of the land here? He's going to serve until the end of the year. That means that the governor will appoint someone. Now, why will the governor appoint and what happens? Well, constitutionally and legally in Georgia, the governor gets to appoint the successor to someone who resigns from office in the United States Senate. Uh, remember, if you step down from the, the House of Representatives, there is an election. If you step down from the Senate, then the governor gets to appoint a replacement 
and that person will serve until the immediate next general election uh, where people of statewide office are on the ballot. So Johnny steps down now. He, the, he, whoever the governor picks after January 1st will serve in the United States Senate until they stand for election in November of next year. And then, and then in audacity of audacities, if they, if the voters agree with the governor and keep that person in office, that person only stays in office until the end of Johnny Isaacson's term, which would be 2022. And then they're up for reelection again. So essentially you're, you're treating this as a house of representatives race where you're in perpetual running for two elections in a row before you get the six year term of, of a Senator. We know today Stacey Abrams' team has, they're yet again, they're back to calling her Leader Abrams, as if she's a leader or of anything. Uh, leader Abrams, they say, Stacey Abrams. We don't know who she will appoint for this position. Um, Governor Abrams, of course. Uh, <laughs> sorry, no. It's just, it makes me laugh every time. Uh, oh, oh, to think the, the, the power she could or could not have, she does not have. Uh, so Stacey Abrams is out today with a statement saying she will not be running. I'm sure you are waiting with bated breath to find out what Stacey Abrams will do. Out of the gate, quickly today, she's not running for the Senate. You know, this actually plays well in that you could divide up the Democratic field. Uh, Teresa Tomlinson and um, what's his name? Um, Ted Terry, they are out blowing up Sarah Riggs Amico. Sarah Riggs Amico is the was the statewide candidate for the lieutenant governor's race, and she is now in the Senate race. Teresa Tomlinson releasing a statement here. We've had enough of failed CEOs and reality TV stars running our government. Donald Trump and David Perdue are failed businessmen who are running our economy into another Republican recession. Now another failed CEO and recent Republican convert wants the Democratic. What the heck? Teresa Tomlinson calling anyone a recent Republican convert is, is the pot calling the kettle black. I, I mean, good Lord, this woman. Again, Teresa Tomlinson will say or do anything to get elected. Uh, Sarah Amico, when Romney ran against um, Obama, Sarah Riggs Amico backed Mitt Romney. And Ted Terry and Teresa Tomlinson immediately out uh, bashing Sarah Riggs Amico because they're scared of her. So, you know, the Democrats could divide up the field. Now, what about the what about the Republicans? Where do the Republicans go? Let's break this down, and we'll take your calls on this, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let me read you some state law. Uh, in those instances where the law, this is uh, OCGA 45.53, in those instances where the law applicable to an elective public office does not provide, does not provide for filling a vacancy in such office and the governor fills such vacancy pursuant to his authority, the vacancy shall be filled as followed. If the vacancy occurs during the final 27 months of a term of office, the governor shall appoint a person to fill such vacancy for the remainder of the unexpired term. If the vacancy occurs at any time prior to the time specified, that is uh, more than 27 months uh, left in a term, the governor shall appoint a person to fill such vacancy 
until such vacancy is filled for the unexpired term of office at a special election. When a special election is required to fill a vacancy for the unexpired term, such special election will be held on the same date as the general election, which is first held following the date of the vacancy and in conjunction with such general election. Now, what does all of this mean? It's probably why the governor isn't going to appoint a statewide office holder. I, I, I suggested Chris Carr would be a logical fit for the Isaacson seat. Chris Carr's wife, Joan, is Johnny Isaacson's chief of staff. Chris Carr worked for Johnny Isaacson. He knows his way around the hill. He is actually institutionally, I think, to the right of Johnny Isaacson. He just had a really big win against the Obama administration with a court case. Uh, he's got his own fundraising network around the state. He's got his, um, he has inroads within the Democratic community, uh, which would hurt any Democrat against him. Uh, there are, there's a real opportunity here for Chris Carr to go to the United States Senate. Uh, then there's Jeff Duncan. Um, Jeff Duncan is beloved by the conservative base, and so is Chris Carr. If you send one to the Senate, you neutralize the possibility that they run against each other in 2024 uh, in the gubernatorial primary. There are already a lot of people who don't like the idea of running of of having to pick between Chris Carr and Jeff Duncan. Uh, Duncan is a super great guy, a good conservative, and would be a great senator as well. Uh, but here's the problem. If you were to put Chris Carr or Jeff Duncan in the Senate, then the governor would have to call a special election to fill their seat in November. And if you fill their seat in November by a special election, it's a jungle primary. A jungle primary is a primary where every one of every party is on the ballot. This is what's happening in House District 71 right now, David Stover's seat. Uh, I'm backing Philip Singleton down there in Coweta County. Uh, but you've got, uh, what's her name, Sacrison, uh, Westmoreland's daughter. And you've got a Democrat down there. They're all in the same election. And you got David Ralston's group helping this Democrat try to get into the runoff to prevent a Republican, Philip Singleton, from getting into the runoff because Philip Singleton's running on the issue we get to do something about Ralston. So you'd have Democrats and Republicans all piled up on the ballot together if the governor appointed someone who is already there, appointed someone who's already elected. So there are a lot of people who are saying, hopefully the governor doesn't do this. I've heard Nick Ayers' name floated today, the uh, Sonny Purdue's campaign manager and chief of staff and who became Vice President Pence's chief of staff. He's out raising money for the president. Nick would be an excellent addition to the United States Senate. Uh, he would be a young, dynamic guy. Uh, but I wonder if the governor might want to go. He's been very big on diversity picks. Uh, conservatives who are diverse. So does he go with a uh, woman? Does he find someone who is black or Hispanic? Does he go with, a, for example, a Herman Cain who, you know, ran against Johnny Isaacson and came in second place, I do believe, in 2005? Uh, where, where does he go? The governor's been priding himself in diverse picks. And there are plenty of conservatives who are non-white men from Metro Atlanta. And the governor may very well want to go in one of those those directions. But here's the thing. He's got time. He has real time to make a pick. He's not bound at this moment to any rush job because Isaacson's not leaving until the end of the year. So he's got time to get it right. But also, this is key thing here, the pressure and the lobbying builds as well. If I worked for Governor Kemp right now, 
I would probably be at the AT&T or Verizon store getting a new cell phone so people couldn't bother me lobbying for people. I'll tell you one person who's not going to do it, me. There is no way. A Senate friend of mine texted me earlier today and said, you should do it. And my response was, my wife is getting on her motorcycle to come shoot you. Uh, Not going to happen. I was very flattered. Someone asked, but nope, nope, nope. Uh, I've got better insurance than the Senate. Labor Day is coming. Kids are starting back to school. You want to get in routines. You want to get in sleep routines. You want to get in exercise routines. You know what you also need to do? You need to get into clean teeth routines. Morning and evening brushing. The Quip makes it easy. Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums. It's even got a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, and it helps you clean your whole mouth evenly. And the multi-use cover works as a stand, mounts to a mirror, and slides over your bristles to pack and protect your Quip on the go. Brush heads are even automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. I love my Quip. My wife has a Quip. My daughter has a Quip. We all use Quip at our house. You can too. It starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you get your first refill pack for free. So you get your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. Get Quip. You will love this toothbrush. I've been a longtime Quip user. You will want to be a longtime Quip user. Getquip.com slash Eric. Go now. Why? Hello there. Welcome back. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Susan and Johns Creek, welcome. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, Probably when I heard this, uh, first thing that popped into my mind, because I I don't think she's in elected office right now, is Karen Handel. What do you think of her? You know, as a matter of fact, you are not the first person to suggest this today. I don't know if it's something she would want. It would certainly simplify one of the uh, congressional primaries. She's already raising money, already got a fundraising apparatus, and she's already won statewide before. Uh, And she would be a, a... uh, diversity pick. She she uh, a woman in the Senate. Um, I I don't know. She ran for the Senate against David Perdue and Jack Kingston. Uh, made it into the runoff with David Perdue. Was unsuccessful there. Um, I I don't know. But there are a number of people floating her name today just because it would simplify some of the congressional elections out there. Uh, in the sixth congressional district, it would help Brandon Beach for sure. In that, uh, more on this when we come back here on WSB. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB talk. Um, there's some news happening. You need to know about it. Um, I, I, I want to tread cautiously here. Um, here's the thing. And this is going to be problematic. There there's, I'll get back to Johnny Isaacs in a minute, but this is, this is literally exploding at the moment. Um, and there is a law, 8 U.S.C. 1401, 
that says that children of American servicemen abroad, a person born outside the geographic of the limits of the United States, of parents, one of whom is an alien and the other a citizen of the United States who prior to the birth of that person was physically present in the United States or its outlined possessions uh, for a period totally not less than five years, at least two of which were after attaining the age of 14. Um, In other words, that if you are born to a parent and the parent is a citizen of the United States and was present in the United States, uh, you get citizenship, and any person of honorable service in the armed forces who is serving the United States government uh, may be included in order to satisfy the physical presence requirements. In other words, if you're serving on a military installation around the world for the United States, that will be included as if you were in the United States. Well, the Trump administration intends to issue guidelines clarifying that temporary visits to the United States do not establish U.S. residence. It explains the difference between residence and physical presence and explains that the U.S. Customs and Immigration Service no longer considers children of U.S. government employees and U.S. Armed Forces members residing outside the United States as residing in the United States for purposes of acquiring citizenship. In other words... It is the intention of the Trump administration to deny citizenship to American, uh, the children of American personnel stationed abroad. I mean, that's that's the basic deal here. This is going over about as well as you can expect. There is a federal statute, uh, so they're going to have problems uh, if this is being interpreted correctly by everyone. Let me read you from the statement from the Trump administration. Effective October 29th, children residing abroad with their U.S. citizen parents who are U.S. government employees or members of the or members of the armed forces stationed abroad are not considered to be residing in the United States for acquisition of citizenship. Similarly, leave taken in the United States while stationed abroad is not considered residing in the United States, even if the person is staying in property he or she owns. Therefore, U.S. citizen parents who are residing outside the United States with children who are not U.S. citizens should apply for U.S. citizenship on behalf of their children. The child of a member of the U.S. Armed Forces accompanying his or her parent abroad on official orders may be eligible to complete all aspects of the naturalization proceedings abroad. Now, what does this apply? Well, if you're born in the United States, you don't have anything to worry about. Uh, Essentially, what happens is if you are stationed abroad, on behalf of the United States, and you have a child outside of the United States, then the government doesn't want to consider your child de facto an American citizen. I don't know that people are interpreting this under correct intentions. My suspicion is that this has something to do with American soldiers who aren't American citizens themselves or American personnel and employees who aren't American citizens themselves, that they can't then somehow convey citizenship to their children, even though they're working on an American military installation, things like that. We're going to have to get clarification here. If the president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, 
is telling American citizens who are soldiers overseas that their children born abroad are not immediately citizens of the United States, that's going to go over like a lead balloon. So we're going to have to wait for some clarification on this. I am pretty sure. Now, okay, we are already getting some clarification. Um, a lot of the articles are, as I thought, so much of this is polluted by Trump derangement syndrome. That's why I wanted to tell you about it, but caution you about the story as well. Um, it, what is being circulated is incorrect information. As I said, there is a statute. So children of U.S. citizen service members born abroad um, will have citizenship automatically will have citizenship, which is the law of the land. And the president can't change that by executive order, and he doesn't plan on changing that by executive order. Uh, the children of U.S. citizen government employees and service members born abroad will be treated just like children of non-government, non-service members of U.S. citizens born abroad. Um, it, it basically gives everybody equal standing abroad. So it's, it's nonsense to say they won't be born U.S. citizens. If your parents are American citizens and you are born abroad, you are an American citizen under American law. So the media is trying to blow this up and say, wait, wait, the president wants to take citizenship away from kids whose parents live overseas, even though they're American citizens. He can't do that under the law. Um, this is just, it's a nonsensical story. And yet the media, I, I knew it when I first saw it. In fact, I tweeted it out. Uh, before, while we were in the last commercial break that I suspect journalists are going to start retracting this. So the president's just clarifying what it means to have been a resident in the United States. Some people think you can come into the United States, spend five days, you can over, sleep overnight in an airport and go back to where you are and say, oh, I've been in the United States for, for uh, some time in the last five years. And they're just saying, no, you actually have to physically come into the United States just crazy how people want to blow this out of proportion okay that's your breaking news now you know it's about to hit the news it's going to hit the five o'clock newscast i guarantee you not maybe not here on wsb uh but you like your cnn's and your foxes and your msnbc's they're going to start blowing this story up i see reporters going nuts over it and now you know what they're going to report the spin they've got initially is wrong uh, don't believe it when you hear it. Man, the press is just the, the the president has poisoned the well, I shouldn't say the press is poisoned. He didn't do it. The press is poisoned. The press is so poisoned. And I had way much other stuff I wanted to talk about than this. And I wanted to finish up on Johnny Isaacson as well. Um, I, I, I want to let me just finish this on Johnny Isaacson. I suspect uh, the governor is going to spend a lot of time, a lot of time trying to figure out exactly what to do. And I realize that sounds like a duh statement. Of course he is. But what I mean by that is if he were to appoint someone who's an elected official, he's going to trigger a jungle primary. A jungle primary is when everyone of every party piles into one uh, campaign. You don't have a Democratic primary and a Republican primary first. Everyone gets on the ballot. And then they have a runoff between the top two. The Democrats are organized in Georgia. If what would typically happen is the Democrat would, the Democrats would be very selective about who they put on the ballot. They would put one or two people and the Republicans will have like 20 people who've been waiting 30 years to get into higher office and they'll all jump in. Uh, the GOP won't be able to push out people out of the race. There will inevitably be some fringy people in there who have diehard support among certain segments of the base and they won't go anywhere. 
and uh, then you're going to have problems. I think what we're going to wind up seeing is the governor's going to try to find someone who is credible, someone who is not an old white guy, and someone who can immediately tap into resources to run an election. Now, I'll tell you someone, it would be old white Republican, uh, but not from inside the perimeter. I'll tell you someone the governor may want to consider. It wouldn't trigger a special election for that person's position either. He already knows how to run statewide. He already knows how to campaign statewide. He already has a base and fundraising operation in the state, and he's already got the president's trust. Yeah, Sonny Purdue. So there was a huge line at one KFC in Atlanta that was serving the vegan fried chicken. I've never seen that many white people lined up outside of KFC in my life. It was something, a bunch of urban hipsters lining up at a KFC to not eat chicken. Um, uh, that is, yeah, come on people. Come on. Oh, 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 breaking news. John Ossoff. Remember that guy? He may want to run for the Senate. <laughs> of course, of course. Okay. So the, this KFC thing, I, and I don't know if you heard over in Augusta, uh, they had a, a Popeye's franchise owner who, decided to stop selling the chicken sandwich because there were so many lines, there were fights, there were car wrecks, they were tying up traffic, the neighborhood was complaining, and he needed to, to stop selling the chicken sandwich. But he instead of stopping selling the chicken sandwich, a funny thing happened. KFC ran out of the chicken. Or not KFC, Popeyes ran out of the chicken. And so he didn't have to worry about stop selling it, but he was going to stop selling it. Uh, Popeyes having to find a new suppliers to, to keep up with demand. They're all sold out of the chicken. You know what? That's something Chick-fil-A would never do. They're not selling out of their food, are they? No. Somebody described the difference yesterday between the the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich and the uh, Chick-fil-A fried chicken sandwich as the Chick-fil-A version is a white girl who was trained under the supervision of the granddaughter of a black grandmother from the South, and they're both worried about your cholesterol. And the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich is cooked by the the young black lady's grandmother uh, in the South and probably made in a cast iron skillet with Crisco. Amen and hallelujah. That tells me right there I will like the Popeye's fried chicken sandwich. Uh, Yes, indeed. And also I said that the grandmother clearly doesn't care about your cholesterol. That's right up my alley. Part of my problem. <laughs> All righty. Now, when we come back, uh, we will take your phone calls. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We also have to move on to other news, including they've had the hearing on sports betting, and the sterogenic situation continues to get really weird. And did you hear about the DeKalb School? They're building $90 million. $90 million. To build a school in DeKalb County. That's kind of crazy. Why is it costing so much? We'll get into that. But before we do the sterogenics thing, and we'll take your phone calls as well on the Johnny Isaacson situation. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Atlanta's evening news on WSB. Oh, we got to get into the sterogenics news. There is new news in the sterogenics issue. 
man, I'm 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 rapidly moving towards the shut them down camp. I'll explain why. But before we even get there tonight, um, we got folks who want to chime in with their suggestions on who to pick to replace Johnny Isaacson in the Senate. Uh, the phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to go on and get to some of these phone calls before we get into the stereogenics. Uh, we'll go to first to Joe in Locust Grove. Joe, welcome. Hey, uh, thanks, Eric, as always. Uh, yeah, I, I think if uh, I was sitting at uh, Governor Camp's desk tonight with him or advising him, you know, I know he's got a tough decision to make, uh, but do you go for the long ball and go for a black or a female? And for crying out loud, you don't appoint a current handle or anybody that you hand it to and she can fumble. But is there a black conservative out there who can be a good voice? Maybe he don't have to always agree with Donald Trump, but somebody who can open the door to make the Republican well, it, Party look more like Americans. So, Joe, here's the thing. Um, I, I don't know that such a person exists out there. I, I assume that they do. But if there is a conservative Hispanic businessman, if you all will recall, Brian Kemp won 39% of the Hispanic vote in Georgia. He has now appointed a number of Hispanic uh, judges. Uh, John King is the first Hispanic statewide office holder in the state now as the uh, insurance commissioner. You find a Hispanic conservative... By the way, conservative Hispanic tend to uh, both be very socially conservative, so you got a pro-lifer right there, and also to support legal immigration and be vehemently opposed to illegal immigration. So you, you got another notch on the belt right there. He would uh, be a conundrum for Democrats and for the media to handle. Can you find such a person? But here's the thing that you don't want to do is, honestly, there are a lot of goofy people out there. So the good thing here is that the governor has a lot of time to um, vet potential candidates and do detailed background checks on potential candidates to make sure they're sane. They're not going to say crazy stuff on the campaign trail. If they're not, if they're not a, a someone who's already out there as a, as a polished politician, but he's got, he's got a long runway here to, to get the pick, right? And uh, he's got a good team around him to make that happen. Scott and Kennesaw, what you thinking on this? Mr. Erickson, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I've got two suggestions. The second one I think would solve a problem. It would get this guy out of Georgia, and it would drive the Georgia Democrats up the wall. Uh, the first suggestion I had was uh, former Speaker Newt Gingrich. I don't know if Herman Cain would, uh, would accept this. But the second one, wouldn't it be a hoot if Governor Kemp selected David Ralston? <laughs> you get this guy out of Georgia, and well, the Republicans can put up a candidate to take over his seat currently. And then, when the uh, current term expires from Johnny Isaacson, they put up another guy to go up against them, defeat Ralston, essentially putting this guy out the pasture, and his political career <laughs> is over. Well, you know, I will tell you, I, I had a couple of members of the state house today call me. And two of them, two separate ones, and I don't think they were talking to each other because they're not really in the in the same circles there in the state house. But both of them said Jan Jones, Jan Jones, he should pick Jan Jones. Jan Jones is the suburban um, mom who is the speaker pro tem. And both of them said in various ways, 
uh, I will put it politely on radio that if the governor put Jan Jones in the Senate, that would maybe cause Barry Fleming to summon the testicular fortitude to launch a coup against the speaker. See, so so the inside story here is that there are a lot of people in the state house who think Barry Fleming, who's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, uh, he wants to be the speaker of the house. And so he won't push Ralston out the door because that would make Jan Jones speaker. And Fleming knows he can't take on a suburban mom as who would be the first female speaker in the House of Representatives. So he can't do it. So you get get Jan Jones out of the way by putting her in the Senate. Uh, then maybe these guys think maybe Fleming will find his courage and actually oust speaker. That's no, he's not going to ever find his courage to stand up to the speaker. That's part of the problem with Barry Fleming. Um, when you need him to stand up and fight, he doesn't unless it's convenient, um, which is a problem. Now, let's see, John and Noonan, who's your perfect candidate for Kemp? Well, if it was man I was picking, I would pick B.J. Pack, uh, a very strong conservative, uh, Asian-American, very well respected in his community. He's in one of those areas of the state that has been trending a little bit Democratic, be a good way to kind of pull that back. I think he'd be a solid choice. Man, that is an excellent idea. That really is. I don't think it would undermine some of his his prosecutions. You know, they got the um, the the Jim Beck prosecution and all. But wow, that's actually a really good idea. Uh, that's a really really good idea. Uh, a buddy of mine just texted me, and he's not alone in this. Doug Collins from Northeast Georgia is one of the names a lot of people are circulating today. Uh, the problem with Doug Collins as well, though, is that you would have a um, jungle primary to replace him. Now, what is a jungle primary? I've explained this before, but if you don't know the lingo, a jungle primary is where all of the Democrats, all the Republicans, everybody from every party that qualifies is on the ballot together. Normally, you know, you have a Democratic primary and you have a Republican primary, and then the Democrat and the Republican face each other in the general election. Nope, not this. Uh, the top two vote getters, uh, regardless of party, win. Uh, will go into a runoff, typically, unless one person just dominates it. So, um, BJ Pack is a really interesting choice. I like that. I really, I don't know that he would want to do it. Remember, he left the state legislature. Um, I don't know that he'd want to be in the U.S. Senate. I, I think he actually loves his family. <laughs> I would want to go up there. Um, but yeah, th- these are these are interesting picks. Okay, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to go on and step out. And when we come back, we need to talk about sterogenics in Cobb County. Did you know there was a leak? Did you know they didn't tell anyone? Did you know it happened the night before they met with the community? Did you know they never told the governor or the EPD? (laughs) Wait till you hear the details. Labor Day is coming. Kids are starting back to school. You want to get in routines. You want to get in sleep routines. You want to get in exercise routines. You know what you also need to do? You need to get into clean teeth routines. Morning and evening brushing, the Quip makes it easy. Quip has sensitive sonic vibrations for an effective clean that's gentle on your sensitive gums. It's even got a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, and it helps you clean your whole mouth evenly. And the multi-use cover works as a stand, mounts to a mirror, and slides over your bristles to pack and protect your Quip on the go. Brush heads are even automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time 
time for a refresh and to stay committed to your oral health. I love my Quip. My wife has a Quip. My daughter has a Quip. We all use Quip at our house. You can too. It starts at just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric right now, you get your first refill pack for free. So you get your first refill pack for free at getquip.com slash Eric. Get Quip. You will love this toothbrush. I've been a longtime Quip user. You will want to be a longtime Quip user. Getquip.com slash Eric. Go now. I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you. Yes, I really did. I, I told you that I suspected the media was going to muddy the waters and walk it all back on this uh, U.S. service members abroad and their children thing. Uh, here's the original notice of the tweet from the national security guy for NBC. As of October 29th, children born to U.S. service members outside of the United States will no longer be automatically considered citizens. That is it. He says, uh, U.S. Customs and Immigration Service confirms as of October 29th, children born to U.S. service members outside the U.S. will no longer be automatically considered citizens. That was the tweet. That was the tweet. Now, here's the correction. Experts who have looked at the new policy say it applies to adopted children from abroad. That's right. Correction. Experts who have looked at the new U.S. Customs and Immigration Service policy say it applies if a service member adopts a child overseas, but children born to service members on deployment would still automatically get citizenship. I deleted tweets with incorrect info. Well, I'm glad he deleted tweets with incorrect info after setting people ablaze on this issue. My goodness gracious. I told you guys that would happen. If it sounds too good to me, it just feeds into the hate of the media. And they're, they they rush out there with it because it's just, you know this is something Donald Trump would do if he could, uh, which really says more about them than Donald Trump. Okay, we got to get into serogenics. We, we, we've got to get into serogenics. By the way, a, a Twitter friend of mine says uh, that, that I sure swerved away from black conservative for the Georgia open seat. Uh, is my neck okay? My neck is fine. The point there was that uh, the governor won 39% of the Hispanic vote in Georgia. And actually, if he were to find a good conservative Hispanic uh, businessman in the state to be the, be the appointment, the governor could potentially increase his lead with Hispanic voters. He's already put in John King as a the first statewide Hispanic official in the state. He's put in some Hispanic judges in the state. The Hispanic community is noticing these things. If the governor were to do something like this and give Georgia its first Hispanic senator, you would be building a coalition in Georgia that would permanently shut the Democrats out of power. So what do you do? Do, do you find a, a black conservative or do you find Hispanic? Because we know already that you appoint someone who is a black conservative, you're not going to see black voters in the state as a whole still go to the GOP. They're going to stay with the Democrats. But we also know nationally, we see this in every state, Texas, Florida, uh, even in progressive states like California, there have been a number of, of growing Hispanic uh, conservatives who are getting Hispanic votes. You put a conservative Hispanic in a position of power hispanic voters many of whom are new to this country they don't have the historic legacies of the civil rights struggles in this country they look and they say you know what i guess i'm a republican too because this guy is and you build a winning coalition again in florida rick scott and ron DeSantis won 50 percent of the hispanic vote 
if the governor of Georgia can build up just five more percentage points within the Hispanic community for the GOP, the Democrats are done for at least another decade in the state. So which do you pick? Which do you pick? Uh, seems like this is a no-brainer for me, just mathematically, on building coalitions, which you do have to do if you want to stay in power. When we come back, sterogenics we must discuss. Hello there, it is Eric Erickson here. The phone number, if you would like to be a part of the program, 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. Kirsten Gillibrand, this is breaking news. She is dropping out of the Democratic presidential race. Uh, She's the senator from New York. You might not have even known she was running, and that is more time on this news item than is deserved. We will move on. Uh, Sterogenics. Sterogenics is the plant in Cobb County uh, that uses ethylene oxide to um, help um, sterilize medical devices. I've mentioned this before. Let me mention it again for those of you who don't understand how this operates. You, you, You get one of those sealed medical devices, like you go to a doctor's office, and they have a, um, a syringe, and it's in a sealed plastic container. Well, what happens is they seal all the stuff in the plastic first, and then they put it in uh, chambers that they fill with ethylene oxide. The ethylene oxide can then leach into the plastic through the plastic, and on contact with the medical devices, it sterilizes them. So it's a really, really convenient way to sterilize medical equipment. Uh, It is a gas that is used in doctor's offices, dentist's offices, hospitals, and at big facilities like Sterogenics that do the sterilization in bulk. Uh, The problem is that in 2016, the EPA recognized ethylene oxide as a carcinogen that long-term exposure Uh, to ethylene oxide can cause lung cancer. And so they started listing census tracts around the nation where people needed to look and see where their problems. Uh, In 2018, they listed Cobb County and the area of the city of Covington as areas that needed to be looked at. The EPD here in Georgia and the EPA have found no signs of a spike in cancer, but they want to monitor. Well, sterogenics is the Cobb County. When B.D. Bard is in Covington, it is a very large employer of about a 1,000 people, I read, uh, in Covington. So nobody wants to close it down. But a lot of people in Cobb County want to close down Sterogenics. And I think I'm moving into that camp because these people are a bunch of incompetent idiots. And you can tend to fix incompetence and you can tend to fix idiots, but you tend to never be able to fix incompetent idiots. Uh, state regulators have deployed an emergency response team to Sterogenics yesterday to investigate a toxic gas leak that forced employees to evacuate. The deployment was announced hours after the AJC uh, sought comment about the evacuation. Why did the EPD wait until the AJC asked them for comment about it? Because they didn't know. Why? Because Sterogenics never told the Environmental Protection Division it had happened. So the HAC found a company, he got a company email. They have a leaker at Sterogenics. The night before, hundreds of residents attended a community meeting at a Smyrna Middle School to discuss ethylene oxide emissions from the plant. The email was sent out July 31st. 
Here's the text of the email. I wanted to inform each of you that we experienced an area evacuation at approximately 3.14 a.m. this morning. An investigation took place at that time, and it was found that a drum that was recently removed was leaking from the gas valve. The levels that were seen in the facility at the time dissipated um, once the gas valve was closed. The company is required to report the leak immediately if the size of the release cannot be determined or if it's greater than 10 pounds. Sterogenic says it was only 6 pounds. The detection sensors are designed for the protection of employees in the facility as well as the broader community and are calibrated to provide release alerts even at levels below the EPD's reporting requirements. Although this release was below the level required for the re to be reported to the EPD, Sterogenics took immediate corrective actions to ensure similar incidents don't occur in the future. Wait, 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 wait. Can we parse this statement, please? Let me just, I've, I've got to parse the statement for you. Although this release was below the level required to be reported, Sterogenics took immediate corrective actions to ensure similar incidents do not occur in the future. Although it was below the level required to be reported, they took corrective action to make sure it doesn't happen again. Um... That sounds like, to me, the way I read that statement, it sounds like maybe this has happened before. You know, there was an explosion there in 2018. Somebody, I think, got got uh, seriously injured. Yes, not killed, but seriously injured in April of 2018. This is just such curious, curious wording. Although the release was below the level required to be reported, Sterogenics took immediate corrective action to ensure similar incidents don't occur in the future. Maybe they're saying um, they're trying to find the leaker and, and fire the leaker who leaked the email so, to make sure that these incidents don't occur in the future. Because it almost, I mean, the way it reads, it almost sounds like they're they're trying to avoid having to say this has happened before and we didn't report those either. I mean, that's the way I'm reading it. Um, but then again, my, my goodwill for this company is totally dissipated at this point. They had a meeting with the governor's office over the problems, and they didn't actually even bother to tell the governor's office or the EPD. Holy moly. Um, and, and now what's this? Um, oh, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. So... Oh my gosh, y'all, this is literally happening while we are on air. Um, what is, hang on, hang on, hang on. We, we can't go to commercial break. Yes, yes, yes. A, a strategic communications company has just emailed me while I'm on air sending me the statement. Uh, on July 31st, ethylene oxide detectors, detection sensors at the Sterogenics Atlanta identified a potential release of ethylene oxide at a localized area within the facility. The detection sensors were designed for the protection, blah, 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 everything I just read. On July 31st, the sensors appropriately alerted employees in the vicinity. Consistent with company procedures, employees properly vacated the area and the incident was immediately investigated. The source of the release was immediately identified and stopped. It was determined that less than six pounds of ethylene oxide was released from a used EO drum, ethylene oxide drum, of which the valve was not completely closed after use. Although the release, this is, this is such curious language, is it not? Although the release was below the level required to be reported, 
Stereogenics took immediate corrective actions to ensure similar incidents do not occur in the future. What is taking immediate corrective action to ensure it doesn't have it happen again in the future have to do with it being below the level required to be reported unless it's happened before? Those two things shouldn't relate. I mean, they should just say that they took immediate corrective action to ensure similar incidents don't happen in the future. Should they not have? I mean, why bring the, the level notice, the requirement for notice in there if this hasn't happened before? I mean, maybe I'm reading too much into this. Maybe I am. I admit it. But that's just curious phrasing at the end. And then they had a meeting with the governor, and they didn't even say anything to the governor's office about it. Maybe they do need to be shut down for a while. Maybe they do. It is me real quick before I leave. I just want to say, uh, do I think that Sterogenics needs to close down altogether? No, I don't. Um, but there are clearly problems there, and I'm wondering if they need an intervention. And it sounds like they're not going to get one until there is some major rebuke. Um, I just, um, somebody's got to do something there.